Before jumping into today's episode, I want to tell you about our biggest ever event coming up called Master Your Music on the 14th of January. This will be a full day event that has been designed for independent artists who want to take charge of their music, stop relying on others and start producing their own music. The day will feature five different masterclasses on topics such as music business, production, music PR, mixing and loads more. You will also have the opportunity to network and make friends with other musicians from all around the world in the process. We have announced free tickets temporarily to all podcast listeners, which you can claim at musicproductionforwomen.com slash master dash your dash music. What am I saying? This is MPW, MPW, the podcast with your host, Zylo Aria. Cool. A podcast about music production for the everyday musician, where we learn from experienced studio engineers and each other. Holly Hutton is a music supervisor, producer and co-founder of Sister Music, an independent London-based music agency passionate about representing female and underrepresented composition talent for moving media. Holly has been a music supervisor for brands for over 12 years and has sourced music for brands including Amazon, Coca-Cola, HSBC and Land Rover. Lovely to have you on the podcast, Holly, and to chat to you about your work as a music supervisor. And it seems like things are very busy for you and it's early, early in the morning, your time. So what have you got on for today? First of all, thank you so much for having me. An absolute pleasure to be here. We've got a lot on at the moment. It's really crunch time with a lot of the advertising jobs around this time of year. Music's the very last thing to go on films so yeah everyone's trying to kind of rush all of the work out before Christmas so yeah we've got a lot of adverts on at the moment um we also have a couple of films that we're doing a lot of licensing on and a tv show in the works but yeah so I will probably be juggling a lot of different things today I keep putting on different hats every 10 minutes to jump into different projects so yeah I will probably figure out what I'm doing today straight after this (laughs) (laughs) okay okay it sounds very intense so speaking of that and it sounds like incredible things are happening for you at the moment can you tell me where did things start for you in the music career and how did you end up where you are today I guess it depends how far back you go. I've always loved music and I've always loved singing. I guess that's where my passion for music came from. When I was 18, I moved to New York to work a bit in the music industry and do some recording. Then I sort of took a three-year break to go to university doing something completely unrelated and came out of there thinking, well, yeah, I still want to work in music. So my first job in the industry was with a music library called Boost Music. I didn't know what library music was or anything to do with music for media. So that's where I learned all about library music, music rights and licensing and what a music supervisor was. Uh, From there, I worked some rights holders and then started working for music supervision agencies. And then in January 2020, I set up Sister. Okay. Wow. And you mentioned you did something totally unrelated as a degree. What was that? (laughs) Geography. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that's very random. <laughs> very random. It was geography with like a portion of film studies, which was even more of a random combination. But it was human geography. I'd always been interested in traveling and development and studying different countries. And so I think it was either work in music or work for a charity of some sort. So who knows whether I will ever end up coming back round to it. But it was an amazing thing to learn about. We did some really kind of big research projects. We did a research project in India, which was incredible. And yeah, I learned a lot, uh, but it was yeah, completely unrelated to music. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very random combination, but I love that. And I'm sure there'll be things that'll come around sometime in your life with it's relation crazy. to that, but that's great. <laughs> Nice. And can you tell me about a random fact of yours, Holly, about something about you that maybe not that many people in the music industry know, although we already heard one about the geography. (laughs) (laughs) Can I use that one again? (laughs) Um, Random fact. I'm an avid gardener, I guess. And I also love wild swimming. So I love being outside is probably... Any time, I suppose, I I spend so much time in front of the computer during the days that at the weekends and in my spare time as much as possible, I love being outside, swimming in cold water, being in the garden. I guess my random facts. (laughs) No, that's great. And yeah, if you're swimming in the UK, it must be very cold water. Whereabouts (laughs) are you swimming? (laughs) I live in uh, Tottenham, North London, and there is a reservoir, West Reservoir, in Stoke Newington, where I love to swim. And I only discovered it, I think they only opened it up really properly for cold water swimming uh, during lockdown, actually. Um, And then, yeah, before that, I think you had to do a course and it was quite a smaller thing. And now it's completely open. And yeah, I started going, I think, in the first year of lockdown, maybe even the second. And now, I mean, in summer, yeah, I was going three or four times a week. So it was amazing. Now it's a a bit less than that, maybe once a week. Um, It's about eight, eight degrees Celsius in there at the moment. Oh my goodness. Wow. (laughs) Hats off to you, Holly. I think that's not something that I'm game for, even though I love the outdoors, but I'll leave the cold water swimming to you. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then coming to your career as a music supervisor, can you tell me what exactly is the job of a music supervisor, perhaps in one sentence? We are the midway point between content creators and rights holders and musicians. So content creators, whether they're directors for films, for TV, producers, ad agencies, brands, when they want music, they will hire a music supervisor to help them source music, whether it's existing from labels and publishers, independent rights holders, or whether it's commissioning bespoke from a composer or music producer, We will manage that process both kind of from a rights perspective and creatively a lot of the time. Okay. That was a little bit longer than a sentence, but (laughs) that's good. We learned a bit there. So that's great. And is it a job that you would pitch for to supervise or do people usually approach you? Yeah, a bit of both. I think once you start supervising then, you know, people start to hear about you. And we're slightly different because a lot of music supervisors work kind of freelance independently and they will have 
certain directors that they work regularly with and they'll just build up that relationship over many years and it's slightly maybe less of a challenge in a new business capacity and also maybe less of we kind of are more of a collective and a company so I think Sister is becoming known as a go-to for female composers, which is great. And yeah, we're a team of music supervisors. So we do a lot of reach out on projects that we want to work on with advertising. There's a huge amount of sort of new business and going out and meeting people and keeping on people's radar all the time. It's a very, very competitive industry. So yeah, it's a bit of a hybrid role in that sense. I think there are ways if you collaborate with a particular director or two on their projects, there's a way to kind of avoid that a little bit. But there's always going to be, particularly in advertising, a kind of going out and trying to hustle and get the jobs in side to the role for sure. Right. And in this world, I guess you hear about music publishing deals and sync deals, which I guess a supervisor would be working with. Can you explain the difference between those to me or is there one? So a publishing deal, I mean, there's so many different types of deals, particularly nowadays, but a publishing deal, you would often be published as a writer and everything that you write is published by that publisher. Whereas a sync deal is kind of a little bit more short term based on representing a particular catalogue for sync. And that could be just on the master, it could be both sides or just publishing. But that's very much tailored towards licensing the music into media, whereas a publishing deal would encompass you as a writer if you wanted to be a songwriter for commercial release tracks or as an artist it's a little bit more yeah all-encompassing in terms of rights as, as a published artist. Right okay and would you say that one is more lucrative than the other and as a result a better deal as a musician? Gosh that's impossible to say probably. Um, <laughs> I think with sync it can be an incredibly lucrative path to go down because one advert can pay for years of life. Uh, We had one global campaign that I did at one of the rights holders that I worked with. We were representing independent artists purely for sync in a non-exclusive capacity. And one of the artists got a global TV campaign with a huge brand. And they wrote us a letter saying that she'd managed with the money to buy a local abandoned church and turn it into a music youth centre. And Tens of kids were coming through the doors each week to learn writing and and production. And it became this kind of hub of the community just from one advert, which is incredible. And we've had, you know, quite a few stories like that where one sync will pay for a new album or, you know, the things that artists are able to do with that. But, you know, you you have to get lucky and you never know what the new trends are going to be or what you know, projects are going to come along. So mm. in that sense, it's a bit kind of more potluck mm. as a publisher. I suppose that's like as a published artist, if you're writing not only for sync, but for also commercial music or for libraries and things like that, then I suppose it's a little bit more spread out and you're obviously relying a bit more on royalties as opposed to one upfront kind of sync fee. So, yeah, a bit tricky to compare because they kind of do 
mean a little bit the same thing because obviously if you're licensing a music a track for sync then you will be licensing your publishing for that as well but i suppose yeah it's a slightly different avenue to get there some people will be independent and write purely for sync and look to get syncs and not actually need a publishing deal there's so much that you can do as an independent artist that it's important to kind of pick and choose the right deal for you depending on the different work that you want to do. Yeah, similarly, there are just straight admin deals to help collect on the publishing where you're not actually a published writer or your work is still independent and owned by you, but you're having an admin publisher kind of help on that side of things. So there are lots of different nuanced publishing and sync deals out there. So yeah, it's quite a tricky one to kind of compare and contrast. <laughs> okay, so maybe I'll just ask a multifaceted question there. <laughs> opened a can of worms <laughs> yeah yeah potentially potentially no but that was good and how would you say a musician would begin to write for either of those I think there's so many different ways of getting there I mean first and foremost I suppose just honing your craft and writing something that you're passionate about particularly if you want to go down more the artist route for sync I think it's more about looking at the trends and seeing what's on the different, whether it's advertising or TV shows or whatever, that you want to. TV and advertising are quite different. So it, again, like as an artist, if you're a singer-songwriter, perhaps that maybe feeds a bit more into kind of TV shows. But yeah, advertising every single brief is so different all the time that I guess you have to be a bit more of a flexible writer and be able to address lots of different briefs and produce in different styles in order to be able to cover and change with the different trends. So where to start? I mean, I suppose in terms of writing for sync, which I know a bit better, I would recommend always just finding films and TV shows and advertising films that you like and just literally practicing and writing to them, muting them, writing as much varied different kind of genres and tracks that you can and feel comfortable with and the areas that you want to progress in and then sharing them with people and getting out and meeting people you know a huge amount of our work as well as artists and producers works is is networking so yeah I think starting out and I would always recommend trying to get a mentor early on meeting people for coffees that are doing the kind of work that you want to be doing and asking them how they got there. There's so many different avenues into this kind of industry that just being as prolific and as sociable as possible on both sides <laughs> is really the best way to showcase your talent and to get yourself in front of the right people. Okay, prolific and sociable. We'll keep <laughs> that in mind. <laughs> And can currently released songs be used to add to a publishing library or be pitched for sync or does everything need to be unreleased content? No, absolutely. You can sign released works with a label or, or a publisher. Hopefully they will handle that process for you about transferring the rights over. So absolutely. And similarly with sync agents, we will represent released tracks. So yes, in terms of bespoke work, then that's always a bit more focused on music that hasn't been released and can be adapted 
a lot of brands kind of want to commission stuff so that it's completely bespoke and exclusive to them. So in that sense, having it not released and having a bit of a catalogue of music that is completely available and hasn't been signed anywhere is always beneficial if you want to get into that world. Because, yeah, like I say, more and more brands are wanting to commission music and it to be really recognisable and ownable to them. So they're less looking to licence existing tracks on the um, the bespoke side and more yeah looking to commission something specifically for them so I would say no harm in having things signed and published if you're more looking at the sync world but if you're wanting to get into bespoke it's really good to have a catalogue of projects and it's the sort of job that almost gets easier and easier at the more you do it because the more demos you pitch on, you may not win for the first few years because it's very competitive and, and difficult. But once you get to a point where you're seeing similar briefs and you're getting known for a similar style, you've obviously then got all of these past demos to lean on when you're going to commission, going to create something new. So yeah, the more projects you have in your back catalogue that you can lean on for projects, the better really. Okay. That's good to know to keep working on that back catalogue, which will happen naturally, I guess, as you keep honing your craft. And when we talk about then splits or the fee that you get, is there an industry standard on who gets what cut between the songwriter and the supervisor and anyone else that's involved? Or is it quite different depending on the contract? Yeah, it's totally different. Every publisher and label and admin and supervisor will have a different setup depending on the project, whether we oversee the full budget, whether we have a separate fee for our work, which is more the case for TV and film. And so it's a hard question to answer because, yeah, also every kind of project is super different that we work on too. So I would just say get a lawyer or ask friends and people in the industry. And if it feels comfortable to you, then take the deal. There are a lot of non-exclusive deals out there as well, which I think, again, it really depends which avenue you want to get into. But I think that is a really great place to start because you can continue to own your music, but get it into lots of different non-exclusive places and really see what is being pitched and what is useful and what people are liking Mm. and from there what to kind of keep creating and build out relationships that way so again it's like have a big catalogue of music that you own and put it out there non-exclusively and pitch it yourself and start there and see then I think a lot of people get into publishing deals or sign very very early on for a long term and I think that can be a little bit restrictive if you haven't quite figured out your sound and where you want to go or which avenues of the industry you really want to work in I think because you might be pushed down a particular direction or pigeonholed in what you were signed on so I think it's always beneficial to kind of scope things out for a while first independently if you can And then, yeah, from there, have a look at, think about what is missing maybe in your wheelhouse and what you would need a publisher or a label or a sync agent for specifically. Mm, Okay. And when you say scope things out yourself, what specifically would you recommend that an artist do? Is that talk to a lot of different supervisors or pitch to different libraries or what does that mean? 
Yeah, I think just trying different routes out. So writing for libraries is a really great place to start to see whether you like bespoke. But with libraries, you will get a bit more time. So again, pitching on advertising, you might get 48 hours to write a demo. So it's very, very quick. Some people absolutely love that because it doesn't give them any opportunity to second guess things and overthink it. And other people just need a lot more time to craft things. And in that sense, therefore, maybe writing for libraries or going down a different route might be better. So when I say, yeah, scope things out, I guess I mean just getting experience in the different avenues that you think that you might want to work in and figuring out which bits you enjoyed the most and and what's for you. But yeah, starting with writing for libraries is a really good place to start with writing bespoke music and writing to brief. Also building up a catalogue of music that can then start earning royalties that then gives you a bit more space to breathe to pitch on advertising, which might be a lot more sporadic income. But obviously, if you hit on something, it can be incredible. So, yeah, just doing as much and, you know, again, doing writing camps and writing for artists and releasing, self-releasing different EPs and, and work just to kind of, yeah, figure out which areas you want to kind of focus on and for you and, and that can help, yeah, hone down the direction. Okay. No, that's good to know. And are there any current trending genres for sync? And how would you spot them? Gosh, I mean, it's funny because for us anyway, and I don't know if this was across the industry, but certainly after the pandemic, we found everything is happy and like electronic and pop and energetic because I think there was just a big wave of not (laughs) wanting to, (laughs) of just wanting to have a bit of a release and a bit of fun. I think a lot of the creative was focused on that. So we didn't see as many kind of emotive piano strings, emotional briefs. um, And we found that yeah, we were getting asked to really uplift people. So yeah, definitely more kind of pop electronic. I mean, I would say with the rise of TikTok in the last few years, there's been definitely a push to kind of work with artists and artists with a following and to kind of, yeah, work on shorter kind of vocal tracks for brands. So I think that is feeding into a lot of the way the briefs are changing. But honestly, saying that there might be kind of some underlying trends, but saying that like, it's crazy how different the briefs (laughs) can be, you know, and I've been asked to create gospel metal mashups. I've had briefs where it's just been like, can you find a song that shows how elephants are hard on the outside and soft on the inside? I've had, (laughs) I mean, you name it, I've had the brief. So yeah, there is all sorts of weird and wonderful things that come out that you just think, wow, I have not had that one before. We will try. Yeah. So then I think that's one of the wonderful things about advertising as well, because you never know what's going to come down the line and why we're so passionate about meeting new talent all the time, because There might be someone that we met four years ago that just happened to say that they had this really specific thing that they were very passionate about the sound. And four years later, you suddenly get a brief and you're like, oh, it's that gospel metal mashup person. It's really (laughs) suddenly come to mind and, you know, you get to get them on, on a project. So, yeah, there are some trends and we're certainly seeing more requests for commercial artists and more 
pop and electronic and re-records are always big on that side of things. But also the other thing that has been a trend since I started in the industry is minimal vocal vocalies tracks. So not just having supplying a vocal track and an instrumental and not even just muting the lead top line and having BVs, but having like a lead melodic hook that doesn't have lyrics because there's so much voiceover in media Mm. that you always want a bit of a human element to music, but without lyrics because sometimes they can really distract from that voiceover. So yeah, that has been a trend forever, something with sort of vocal sounds that add a human element and that are melodic, but that don't interfere too much with the voiceover. Okay. It's good to know and a few things to think about there. And I guess that makes sense of us all wanting to be uplifted after COVID. So always bounce (laughs) minimal vocal versions of tracks. If you've got a vocal version, that is a tip. And always bounce instrumentals because you'd be surprised how many tracks don't have instrumentals out there. This was not a thing that they did back in the day. So a lot of the old tracks, when we go to license them and want to do a remix or want to do X, Y, Z with them, pull out the instrumental for under a VO section of a film. It's amazing how many tracks don't have stems and instrumentals out there. I think nowadays people kind of get that a bit more. Yeah. Mm. Um, And obviously that's dependent on how everything was recorded. If it was recorded on tape, then obviously stems a little harder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, yeah. Always bounce out different versions of, of tracks to make them as flexible and easy to use as possible for editors. So coming to our would you rather speed quiz, are you ready, Holly? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's only half nine in the morning. <laughs> I'll do my you best. Do the ki- the coffee's it. kicking I- in. <laughs> I have faith. I have faith in you. All right. So would you rather be out of tune or a half a beat behind? Half a beat behind. Would you rather listen to your least favourite genre for a day, non-stop, or never listen to your favourite genre for a year? Listen to my least favourite, non-stop. For a day. Okay, yeah. cool. Would you rather be able to hear a sound or see colours? <gasps> oh, my God. Hear a sound. If I could never hear sound ever again or not see colour, yeah, I would want to hear a sound. Okay, cool. That's good. Would you rather give up air conditioning and heating for the rest of your life or give up the internet for the rest of your life? Oh, my God. I would give up the internet, I think. Wait, what was the first one? Air conditioning and heating. Oh, I guess you could always just move somewhere that was was warm all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we have one little cheat there, but that's good. That's fine. Would you rather be a talented songwriter who can't sing or a great singer who can't write songs? Oh, my God. That is impossible. (laughs) A talented songwriter, I suppose. Oh, God, I don't know. That is impossible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. No choice there. Okay. (laughs) So that's good. That's good, Holly. You you almost made it through, but that was That's like the hardest question anyone's ever asked me, I think. Wow. Yeah. As a singer that wants to be a songwriter, that's a very difficult question to ask. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, you weren't expecting the hardest question of your life, I'm sure, on this podcast, but okay, (laughs) that's good. There it is. (laughs) We're hard hitters over here. So coming to the top tips section, Holly, what is your one top career tip? Well, I think I've said most of my top ones throughout, but my top one would just be to not sign a contract that you haven't got advice on. (laughs) And I know it seems sounds really obvious, but it's shocking how many artists and I've seen so much over the years of um, friends and different people sign up to really long sunset clauses that they can't get out of, whether it's a management deal or a publishing deal that they haven't got advice on. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily, because legal advice can be very expensive, but just if you're unsure or, you know, you have an opportunity in front of you, just even asking peers or asking people that are also artists that maybe, you know, have a few years more experience, what they think, I would say, always get some advice and trust your gut. Mm. So, yeah. That's good tips there. And one top self-care tip. My self-care is all about gardening and swimming. So I've got to say that again. <laughs> um, yeah, <gasps> okay. get, getting out cold water swimming for the win. Everyone get out there and do it. It will make you feel a million times better, I promise. <laughs> Maybe don't like start at eight degrees. Start when it's a little bit warmer <laughs> uh, in spring and then you can get like steadily used to going in and then have your first winter <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep that in the back pocket and we'll see if anyone takes that offer up, but I will take your word for it. (laughs) And do you have one top general life tip? Definitely don't feel like I've got life figured out. So um, (laughs) top life tip. That's so hard. I guess just don't do things to please other people. Otherwise you and them won't be happy. No, I think that's a no great one. one. be happy. Yeah. Just follow your gut and your instincts. No, love it. Thank you so much for the chat, Holly. And that's been a really great and very insightful, I'm sure, for some of our listeners looking to get into writing for sync. So thank you. And I hope you have a good rest of your day and it's not too crazy. <laughs> I'm going to ignore my emails for another three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Excellent. yeah, the onslaught. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. My biggest three takeaways from Holly's episode was firstly to have a good back catalogue of music that you can pitch for sync and to be prolific and don't worry if it doesn't fit the first brief because it might fit another one in the future. My second takeaway was to have minimal vocal versions of all of the songs that you are pitching because someone might want to use them but might want to take out the vocals in case the lyrics don't fit what they are working with. My last takeaway was to make sure you get advice before you sign any document, just to make sure you are not signing away any income that you could potentially be making in the future that you shouldn't be. That's it from us this week. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we will see you in two weeks.